Hey, everybody. This is your host, Donnie Turner of the Free for Life podcast show. I am especially excited to be uh, speaking with the next guest on the show today. She is a frequent guest expert on news outlets such as CNN, CNBC, Fox News, NPR, CBS Market Watch, The Wall Street Journal, author of the number one best-selling book, Retire Rich with Rentals, uh, one of my favorite books, one of the first books I ever read when it came to me becoming a real estate investor, uh, host of her own podcast show. I highly recommend you guys checking it out. I've been a longtime listener for over three years or so, The Real Wealth Podcast Show. Check that out, guys. Free resource to help you uh, learn all a whole lot about real estate. And her company, uh, The Real Wealth Network, which has been featured by the Inc. 5000, one of the fastest growing companies in over three years in a row, 44,000 members and counting, me included, and a few members of my family helped investors acquire over $56 million in total assets through investing in real estate. Has produced over 745 absolutely free educational webinars you can check out on their website, realwealthnetwork.com. And has even started a foundation through all these efforts, donating 10% of every single real estate transaction they complete, donating over $450,000. One of my, um, I could say this, so pride, one of my primary mentors when it comes into real estate and just how I entered into the space. And um, I guess one of the last things I'll say about her is pretty much the reason why this podcast is existing. Uh, we connected really quickly <laughs> at one of her networking um, events, and it's been a whole lot of fun. Kathy Fetke, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. And yeah, you know, I, I give people lots of advice all the time, unsolicited, probably too often. But you know, uh, I love it when I give advice to someone that I'm like, oh man, I could see it. This would be great. And then I turn around and find out it's been done. So, you know, to, to be doing a podcast at your age and to your uh, group of, you know, your colleagues and friends, it's like, they often say, when's the best time to buy real estate? And of course, every agent will say now, but uh, <laughs> you know, the second question is, when's the best time, you know, really like 30 years ago. So if you start young, if you start young, that's really, uh, real estate can be so much more powerful. You can almost guarantee yourself a pretty darn good retirement. And maybe, maybe at half the time it would take you normally. Oh, thank you for saying that. Cause I, I tell pretty much everybody I come across all the time, there's no better place you can put your money. But before uh, we get into that, um, I'd love to, um, if you wouldn't mind, just share a little bit of your story with my listeners who may or may not know you, you know, how you got into real estate and so forth. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I got into real estate completely by accident. I did not have a plan. Unlike my husband who plans everything, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was one of those people, like most people, I think know that uh, real estate, you know, rich people own real estate. Like you do know that. And yeah. if you live in California or a high priced area, you know, then you know that people, you know, have made lots of money in real estate. The, the thing that most people aren't aware of is that anyone can do it. it. Really, literally anyone can do it. There are ways to fix your credit. If you have bad credit, there are companies who can fix it. Uh, there, there's ways to get loans with no money down. Uh, you can get, if you learn enough, you can get investors who will invest in your dreams. I mean, it, it's, yeah. there's absolutely no excuse that most people think that they already need to be successful and already have money in order to invest. So they wait until it's too late. Yeah, that's, that's a but huge But that point. didn't really answer the question. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. Um, I really liked how you segue into that. You know, um, I recently came across a young couple and they, 
you know, they recently got married and they're looking at their options. And I'll, um, they gave me the huge compliment of asking me for advice. And I was like, well, you know, um, you know, you two being married now, you guys are in a strong financial position to be able to get some financing. And I was like, yeah. there's, there's options like the FHA loan, three and a half percent down, rent out mm -hmm. a couple of rooms in your own house if you're comfortable with that. And yeah. just get in right now as quick as you can. I, I say it all the time. I think real estate is the best way to do it. I think you'd agree. Or Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And again, like but most people just don't even know the basics. So the fact that you mm -hmm. are out there telling people, and especially your age where there's an expectation that millennials and, and Gen Y, I'm not sure which mm -hmm. one you are, but um, <laughs> that aren't going to be wanting to own real estate. And, and that's, I just don't think it's true. I, I think everybody wants to be rich, you know? <laughs> so it's just like, they don't yeah. know how. Um, and if they found out, you know, we're starting to see our rooms more and more filled with young people. But to go back to you know, how I got started, I really, I knew that someday I would own real estate. I didn't think it would be sooner than later. I, I didn't know how to do it. It's always overwhelming um, terms. It's a different language. You know, there's, mm -hmm. when you listen to a group of people talking about real estate, a new person is just, it's like, confusing. And so I just didn't know that much about it, but I did want a home. Um, Rich and I had gotten married and had two children and, you know, were throwing money away at rent. And I had heard that people could get all these tax breaks if they bought their house and they wouldn't, you know, having be faced with rents going up every year or the potential of even getting kicked out of the house because maybe the owner sells it or they want to move back into it or whatever. I mean, there's just not a lot of uh, security being a renter. So when you're settling down and you have a family and kids, it's just nice to know that you're not going to get booted and the rents aren't going to go up too much. And so that was kind of more where I was coming from. And we did exactly what you're saying is um, we were in a situation where my father, we were renting in, in Walnut Creek, California, so expensive, you know, it's just oh, yeah. paying thousands of dollars um, to someone else's future, you know, yeah. <laughs> basically, uh, paying off someone else's loan, not our own. Um, but my dad came to me and said, very distressed. He was very distressed when I, uh, let's see, this was in, hmm, 97, no, 90, 1996. Yeah. Wow. Totally dating myself, but it was 96. It was right when I got engaged to rich and my dad called and said, we're in a really bad situation. We were investors in an apartment building in Marin and uh, there was some distress with that apartment. It wasn't well managed. My dad was a dentist and dentists are notoriously not great investors, at least back then, because they're never taught anything about investing and uh, and they're just, they just know how to fix teeth basically, but they make a bunch of money. So they're targets and people are always trying to get their money and and they, and they honestly just haven't, you know, in the past at least, didn't know how to invest it. So my dad was a target, invested in this bad deal. They ended up selling, um, the owner sold the apartment, but my dad had been depreciating that apartment for, I don't know, 10 years or something. Depreciating hmm. means uh, it's the tax benefits you get from owning an apartment or owning uh, rental property. You, the IRS actually treats it as if, as, it's, as if it's depreciating, as if it's going down in value every year uh, versus going up, which it really normally is. Uh, but you can write it off as if it's not. It's a very complicated tax thing, but it's awesome for the investor um, unless the property sells because then you got to pay all those tax benefits back. And a lot of people don't understand that, that there's a recapture of all those tax oh. benefits. It's why you've got to keep your real estate forever. You can't, you know, if you've been depreciating it you, and you sell it, you're, you're going to pay. So these people sold it. 
um, did not okay, you know give him warning. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so sorry to interject. That's okay. No. Um, with with those that tax buyback payback, um, does the 1031 save you from that specific? It does. Or? It oh, does. Okay. So, yeah. So right now, current law, and it's been this way for a while, is if you own an investment property, a rental property, uh, and you sell that property and you buy replace, you know, another property of similar a similar type, uh, which is pretty broad, you know, you can you can sell a home and buy an office building or sell an office building and buy an apartment, whatever. It's pretty broad when when they say of same of the same type, but basically a rental property. Um, So if you sell one rental property, you have 45 days to identify another one and 180 days to close on it. And if you do that, then the IRS treats it like it's almost the same property. So it's like you don't have to pay the gain. So if if I Mm. bought a property for a million dollars 10 years ago and it's worth $2 million today, if I sold that, that's a million dollars gain, right? The difference, the money I made on that property... I'd have to pay capital gain on that, which is about 20%, unless I found another property worth about $2 million. And, and then I could keep deferring that tax, that 20% tax, until I die. And then when I die, my uh, whoever inherits the property gets that property. It steps up to the current market value. And because it's current market values, like I said, is $2 million for that property. Um, I bought it for $1 million, but my kids inherited it for $2 million. Mm-hmm. It steps up to that value of $2 million. There's no tax. So uh-huh. it's way better to just buy and refi or 1031 exchange until you die. You know, that's, that's what people are like, yeah. refi until you die. Because then your heirs inherit your, your portfolio, steps up currently, current tax losses, it steps up to market value, and your heirs don't pay that tax. So you know, my dad was alive and well, right? So when they, when these people sold the apartment and he had been depreciating it for 10 years and it, you know, then there was the recapture and it was, it was about three or $400,000 that he was going to have to pay in taxes that he wasn't expecting. And he was just on the verge of retiring and that was going to, you know, ruin his plans of retirement. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to You'd have to take a big chunk out of his retirement and pay that tax unless there was a replacement property. But they, they sent it in a letter and he had been traveling. And by the time, you know, it came down to it is 45 days for identifying that new property. We're down to like two weeks or I think it was even 10 days. And he just called me in a panic. Now, meanwhile, Rich had just proposed to me and I was like, wait, explain it to me, dad. Cause again, I didn't know anything about real estate. All I knew is that I was getting married. I wanted a home. And, um, and I said, so you're telling me all you need to do is find a property and identify it in the next two weeks and then close on it. And then after a total of 180 days, I'm like, I'm, why don't I find a property that I want to live in? And this would be the exchange for you and I'll just live in it. And, and that'll solve your problem. And he was like, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I went out looking for my dream property and it ended up being like a, a six bedroom house <laughs> because he had, it had to be like a $500,000 value. And remember this is back in, in uh, 96. So even in Lafayette, California, outside of San Francisco, $500,000 was a lot of money back then. It's nothing today, yeah. but back then it was a lot. So I was able to get, I had to get, we had to get something at least that price range. Um, so it was like a six bedroom house. And I said, look, dad, this is perfect. I can live 
Rich and I can live when we get married in the, in the top floor of this beautiful brand new home. And the, the bottom floor had a separate entrance for an office and a separate in-law unit. So I was like, hey, we'll live on the top part. We'll rent the bottom part out. It's a really big house. It's way over our price range. But if we rent those two bottom units out, now you have your quote unquote apartment and your replacement property. You've got your kid living in it so you can come see it at any time. We'll manage the whole thing and maybe someday we'll inherit it. Now, what I didn't know is that's, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. It just made sense to me. And he goes, great. So I went out and I found, you know, like I said, I found the perfect property right away. He identified it, closed on it, was able to do the 1031, didn't have to pay those taxes. Um, but here, Rich and I were now renters, not owners still. Mm-hmm. But we learned so much from the process. It was like, oh man, now we just made this deal for my dad, but I really just want to buy my own property. You know, like now I'm still a renter. It just kind of didn't occur to me. I was just trying to help him. So um, then we're like, well, can we buy it from him? Can we, what, what's the process? And it's the same thing. Like if we bought it from him, he'd still have to pay those taxes. So um, that sort of led me on the path of learning and understanding more, especially because right around then, Rich got diagnosed with melanoma. I'm sure you've heard the story. It's mm-hmm. in my book, Retire Rich with Rentals. That's how it starts out. Rich had um, a freckle on his forehead. He's, a, he's an athlete, so he's out in the sun a lot. He's a redhead, so redheads in the sun is usually not a good combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had this freckle that uh, turned out to be melanoma after he had it checked, and they thought it had spread, and they did more tests, and the doctor thought it had spread to his liver and told Rich he had maybe six months to live. This was, by then it was 2002, and we had you know a couple kids by then. We had this big, beautiful house we were living in with this promise to pay my dad back and, and cover this mortgage, and suddenly this horrible news. So um, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do, but I had a radio show in San Francisco on KSFO radio. My background was in broadcasting, and I thought, okay, well, I have this you know, platform, maybe I can interview people who can help me figure out the finances so that Rich can get better and go through the treatment he needs to go through and kind of get off the treadmill. Let me take over the financial piece. So I just use that radio show to start interviewing people on, you know, how do I make money? How do I make passive income ideally? Because I still really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and raise our kids. Uh, and that's really how it started is we'd already sort of become landlords because we were rent- renting out those two units and we understood that concept. And I already understood tax law because of the 1031 exchange. Oh, yeah. and, it, and it was like, well, how do I build wealth? And I just started interviewing people like, like you're doing today, interviewed CPAs and attorneys and people who had built, you know, were retired by the age of 30 because of real estate. And, and um, that grew. My, my audience grew very quickly and suddenly, you know, I had the real wealth show and, and yeah, that, that was the humble beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's an amazing story. And, um, it's inspiring to me to think that, you know, through, uh, the hardship and the tragedy that you looked to education to solve your problem and, um, just through the process of, yeah, interviewing people and learning yourself, you're helping other people learn. I've, I've found, you know, I'm trying to help people learn, and I'm the one I feel like is learning the most through this show. Oh, so, totally. Kind of ironic in a way. It, it is. And, and so the good news is Rich is fine today. He's my co-CEO, mm-hmm. and he beat it. He beat the cancer. But um, at the time, we didn't know. And, and you're right. It was just, it was more like, I'm just a super stubborn person. And I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are. 
a lot of entrepreneurs are just simply unemployable because they're stubborn, you know, and I, I can't have any boss telling me what to do. It just, it just couldn't work. So I had to, I, I didn't have an option. It was like, I've got to figure this out, but I'm not going to go get a job because I want to be a stay at home mom. And I'm not sure I can take orders. <laughs> so, um, so that's just started. And, and the amazing thing is I really did learn when you, when you, most people are not taught this stuff, but when you start to learn about it and see that there's people younger than you, less educated, you know, most of the people that I interviewed had never even gone to college and, oh. and, you know, just started right out of high school and they were retired. You know, I'm not kidding. I, I was yeah. talking to 30 year olds who were retired because they started at 18. Wow. And I just thought, Hey, they're not smarter than me. They, they didn't start with more money. They had no money. So what's the difference? The difference is they must know something I don't know because otherwise I could do this. And that, like you said, it's a quest for knowledge. I was desperate to understand. And like, why do some people get wealthy and some don't? Lots of people are smart. There's a lot of smart people who are not wealthy. There's a lot of dumb people that are. So it's like, what, you know, what's the difference? It really is that the education on that specific thing and the chutzpah, you know, basically the desire to go get it, to go after it. I love that. So how did um, the Real Wealth Show that you created, how did that bring uh, the Real Wealth Network into fruition? Yeah, so um, it was funny because before that, I just kind of had a random show of interviewing. I didn't have a focus. I interviewed whoever I felt like. And my audience wasn't, you know, it was okay. It wasn't growing. But as soon as I started talking about how do you build wealth and specifically passive income so that you can quit your job if you want to and only do the kind of work you that inspires you and that you, you look forward to doing, I, our show just blew up. I mean, we, we just had a large following. And in, a, uh, in an effort to monetize that, I was like, wait, I can get sponsors now that I have an audience. So um, you've probably read in my book, I'm sure you have, that I, I was like, well, who would sponsor who's got money? And at the time it was mortgage brokers because that was back in the mid two thousands when mortgage brokers were making a killing. You could give a loan to anybody and make 10 grand on each one. So, um, so I thought, okay. And I, I went through the phone book, which existed back then and just started calling every mortgage broker going, Hey, you want to sponsor my show? You know, no. I'm like, okay, next one. Hey, you want to sponsor my show? No. I did that for probably a week and nobody wanted to. And I'm like, what's the deal, man? I know these people have money. What, why can't they say yes? And I, I just went outside and I'm like, okay, what can I do to make the next phone call I make successful? Like nobody could say no to my next offer. I thought, okay, I know. So I pick up the phone, call the next guy in line. I'm like, how would you like to be a star? <laughs> you know, it was a very different, very different. A lot of people, when they're trying to get money, they make it about them. You know, mm. would you like to sponsor my show? No, I'm not interested in sponsoring your show. But when you give them something they want, it changes the whole picture. So I was like, how would you like to be a star? And he's like, hmm, tell me more. Like, well, I've got a radio show and you can be my co-host. You go, sounds good. When can we meet? I don't know. How about today? Okay. I went in. I, I'm like, okay, he's my co-host. You know, you're going to get this much of an audience. And he's like, this is, this is great. This is great. And I go, yeah, it's going to be whatever the price. I, and he goes, great. Wrote the check. So <laughs> that was like <laughs> lesson number two. When you, when, in marketing, it's got to be about what other people want, not what you want. <laughs> I, I love that. That's, that's amazing advice. I'm keeping that in there. Thank you. Um, 
So for for those <laughs> for those listening that don't that don't really know or um, that don't know what they're they're hearing this for the first time, Real Wealth Network and real estate investing. How does Real Wealth Network help connect investors with people supplying homes? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So now, I mean, since then, it's been ten years later, and mm-hmm. we have been we have over fifty thousand now members of the network. Oh, wow. But back then, it started with. Uh, you know, again, me not really knowing I was going in this direction and not really planning it. It just kind of happened by accident because um, we helped so many people because of this mortgage broker. I helped so many people get loans. And then I had Robert Kiyosaki on the show, who at the time explained to me that California was about to have a meltdown because of all these bad loans. And I was in the loan business. So I knew what he was talking about. I knew that I could give anyone a loan without really any backup for that. No, you didn't have to actually have the income for that loan. Um, so he's like, yeah, that's not going to end well. People aren't going to be able to make these payments. So he said, you got to get out of the bubble cities, which is the San Francisco Bay Area, but follow the jobs, follow the demographics, follow the people and get into areas that are still affordable. Because whenever the coasts get too expensive, uh, companies and people move to more affordable places, but the values haven't gone up in those places. So as demographics, as the Californians move, probably go up, we knew that jobs were going to time, this is 2005, and that therefore people were moving to Texas, but home prices were still super flat, even though in California, they'd already peaked. So mm-hmm. he sold all of his California holdings into the 1031 exchange, like I mentioned earlier, and um, you know, sold all his California properties and bought replacement properties in Texas. Because the pr- values were so low, but incomes were going up because of all the new jobs, uh, rents were going up and home prices and apartment values going up. So you know, you could basically quadruple your cash flow, your, your income from rental properties just by simply doing that 1031 exchange. So I, um, when we talked about that on the show, Rich and I went to Texas. We're like, that sounds amazing. And we bought, we ended up buying five properties on our first trip and then four properties on the next, because back then you literally could just, it was easy loans. You could just fill out. And I was a mortgage broker. So I'd fill out the yeah. application, turn it in, bam, I got a loan and I bought a new house and it was no money down back then. Wow. You could literally go to Texas, buy five houses, no money down. They didn't even check credit back then. It was crazy. So, um, so then I came back and talked about it because people had heard Robert Kiyosaki on, on my interview. And then they found out we went out and bought a bunch of homes and that they were cash flowing. And, and then all of a sudden our phones were just ringing off the hook of people saying, we want to do that. We want to sell these California properties that don't cash flow that are, you know, a million dollars, but bring in $3,000 rent or whatever. We want to go and do what you did and instead buy 10 properties in Dallas that rent for the same amount for um, like a million dollar house. Well, let's say a a $400,000 house in California might rent for 1200, but a $120,000 house in Texas would rent for 1200. So you could way up your cash flow. So um, all these people started calling saying, we want to do what you did. Can you give us your realtor information? Can you give us your property management information, your insurance company, all this? We're like, yeah. And then at the time I was a mortgage broker, so I would do their loans. But then it was like, my gosh, I think we, we have something here. I think this is a business. It's a referral business. People want to know how to buy income properties that cash flow. And that's when Real Wealth Network started. So it's, it's basically Rich and I going out, building up our portfolio and then sharing that information um, with our members on how to do it, which teams we used, um, you know, giving them a list of, of, like I said, property management teams, repair teams, 
Um, nowadays, it's you know teams that will do all of it for you. They'll buy the property, renovate it, get it rented, and and sell it as a fully turnkey rental to a to an investor who doesn't want to do that work on their own or just doesn't have the time. And um, that's how it started, and that's what we do today. Now we're in about 15 different markets. We're still doing the same thing, following the demographics. Where are the jobs going? Where are the people going? Where is it still affordable? Uh, but wages are going up, which means eventually rents and prices will go up, and you can kind of get out of the high-priced markets that are in, definitely in bubble territory and get into the emerging markets that are just about to pop. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you. You know, thank you for sharing that. You know, um, yeah, it was through you and your network that I was actually my dad. I know he discovered, and then he helped me and now I'm invested. I currently have, you know, four properties looking to get to my 10 through Fannie Mae. And um, I guess, um, thank you. (laughs) And I guess just for a little bit of a selfish reason, but also for the listeners, um, I I just wanted to ask you, um, like, what what sort of advice would you give somebody, you know, in, in my situation, somebody that's 24, 25, still in college or just out and they want to start their investing career and they're, and they're looking at real estate because they see the value. in. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I'm telling you, your generation has a lot of, a lot more than other generations ever had. You have access to information that back then when I was your age, governments didn't even have access to the kind of information you have. Hmm. You know, the presidents didn't have it. You have, access to anything. So you can, you have so much more potential. The sad thing is that a lot of people don't just don't realize it. So the first thing I would do that changed my life is follow the people who are successful. Listen to people who are successful. Don't get your advice from a teacher who's never been out in the real world. I'm just being honest. You know, that that's, <laughs> Talk to people who have done what you want to do and hang out with them. And there's ways to do that. I mean, just in the podcast world alone, it's kind of like hanging out with people because you're, it's like you're sitting there in conversation and conversations that I never could be a part of when I was your age. That didn't exist. That was the old boys club. You know, you couldn't get in that room and hear what that person was talking about. No way. That was private. And, and so the, the, the wealth was, was, was secret. You know, how you do that, it happened in a boardroom that nobody else was invited to. That's, it's not like that today. You can find out how wealthy people became wealthy and you can follow them. So my first advice is be just follow the people who are doing what you want to do. Get close to them, like learn from them, go to their events, listen to their podcasts, read their books and, um, and surround yourself with, with like-minded people. If you surround... You become the sum of the five people you hang out with is basically what people say. So if you're, if you're hanging out with a bunch of people that are going nowhere in life, that's probably where you're going to go. So hang out with the people who have goals and are doing stuff. And, and hanging out, like I said, might be just going to events and standing next to them because you don't know them yet. <laughs> you know? But yeah. I'm at a point, hmm. I've met a couple of young people who... Um, Dave was just like, hey, Kathy and Rich, we, you're our mentors. We want to get to know you better. And, and they'd come to every event and we do know them better now. You know, so it's, it's not that hard to break in. There's not the barriers that, that there used to be. So, yeah, that would be first. Uh, and, and, you know, just learn, learn, learn and hang out with people uh, who are doing what you want to do. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's amazing today. Like just like you said, all the information is is either free or close to being free. I mean, getting into somebody's head, yeah. listening to them on the podcast, watching the YouTube videos, reading their books. You know, and I've I've heard this phrase before. I I don't know. It sounds a, a, a little scary, a little too simple, but you know, educate yourself, take action, cast a check, repeat. Would you agree with that? Yeah. That sounds a little too simple, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's just starting with education, I mean, when you're young, you can make more mistakes. So it's a great mm-hmm. time to try things and learn. You know, you don't you don't look at a baby and get mad at it when it takes a step and falls down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If if a if if a 30-year-old takes a step and fall down, you're kind of like, hmm, you should know how to do that by now. And, <laughs> you know, but a baby, it's like, oh, you know, you're trying. So when you're young, it's the same thing. Like if you make mistakes in business when you're young people are like oh it's okay you know you're learning you know at my age I can't make a mistake anymore (laughs) like I'm I gotta I gotta get it right so you know just get out there and try things really just get out there and try things well you know uh, yeah it's best it goes better when you educate (laughs) yeah definitely I guess you don't want to just go in head first without the education Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a perfect segue into just another small question I have for you um just my personal situation. So, you know, I'm invested in, in four properties and, you know, I'm, I'm investing in a little bit of mutual funds and so forth. Just really um, conservative investments. I think, you know, I, I get really excited about um, the equity pay, the equity pay down on these properties and just the yeah. idea of in 30 years from now, when I'm, you know, 55, 56, that I'll have, you know, multiple properties that are fully paid off. But I guess yeah. I guess what I'm asking myself, and I don't know if I should be, but am I being too conservative? Should I be more mm. aggressive? Or what that's would, a, what would such a good that? question. Um, a, a combination is good. A combination yeah. is good. I, I I would say mutual funds are, are probably a little conservative for you <laughs> at this age. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just listened to a webinar today. I'll send you a link to it. But emerging markets might be a a good play. They're, they're down mm. right now, but um, you know, just, even if it's just a little bit of money, this is what I mean. Like this is your chance to learn and, and become a real expert. So what if you just invested 10 bucks into something, you know, and in, into a more aggressive stock or a, um, like I said, an emerging market that, that is risky, but you ha- you don't have, it's not that much risk, but you're learning you know, and yeah. you're and, and gathering information. So mutual funds, I would say, is probably something better left to when you're older um, because it is so safe and stable. And at the same time, safe and stable is good. But if you, if you do that for the rest of your life and you, you still end up in, the, in a good place, you know. So yeah. either way, e- either way, the fact that you're starting now, uh, you almost can't make a mistake because of all that you'll learn and the ones and the, and the deals that will go well. You could probably make five mistakes, but if if one, your sixth one goes well, it would probably make up for all of that, you know, in the end, because you're starting so young. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, thank you for that. You know, um, uh, yeah, talking about real estate, you know, I mean, excuse me, uh, mutual funds and even like real estate uh, REITs and all that. What, what is your opinion on, um, I, it's, it's been growing a lot lately, uh, Fundrise and all these companies, this um, crowd, mm-hmm. Crowd crowdfunding. Yeah. What, what is your opinion on that? As far as investing in it or being a crowdfunder? Well, um, investing in it because I, I see it. the returns and it looks cool, but 
you know, I, I don't get a lot of the benefits. I don't get equity and all of that. What is yeah. your opinion? Um, you know, my opinion is that there's active and there's passive investors. Mm-hmm. So if you are an active investor, you're probably going to make more money in the end because you get the profits. If mm. you're a passive, you're getting some of the profits, um, but it's usually for someone who just doesn't have the time, but they have the money. If you have less money and more time, then it might beho- behoove you to be more active. And, uh, but if you were to invest in somebody else's fund, like a fund rise or a crowdfunded deal, um, you still need to have an enormous amount of education because mm-hmm. there's a, so many people in that game that there's a lot of people with very little experience and, and uh, that just, you know, are kind of gambling with your money. So if I were to do anybody else's deal, I would want to see that there's somebody on the team who has 30 years experience at a minimum. Uh, it doesn't have to be everyone on the team. Somebody, somebody has to have gray hair who's been, you know, we're at the top of a cycle. It's, it's a long expansion. We're not at the beginning. We're not, this isn't 2009 where you could just about buy anything and make money. Mm. We're, we're at the end of an expansion where prices are high. And when prices are high like this, uh, they, they're certain, there's almost always been a bursting of that bubble in some areas. Uh, you know, like I said, when, when I helped a bunch of people sell in California and buy in Texas, this was the very same time frame. But one area, California, was in a bubble and Texas was not. So those who sold at the peak um, and, and bought when Dallas was just taking off, uh, the recession happened in 2009. Uh, the properties they sold in California lost between 50% and 75% of their value Wow! in one year. Uh, whereas the properties oh, wow. in Texas, they, they've gone up in value uh, three times plus the cash flow increased. So in that one year... When if you did nothing, if you owned California property and you did nothing, you would have lost 50 to 75% of the value of your property and it would have taken you 10 years to get that back. Whereas if you did what we were telling people to do is like sell it, get out of the bubble and get into non-bubble properties, you won't have to go through that um, you know, difficult time. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of people are buying properties at the peak of their value and and aren't you know are making promises or have the belief that values are going to continue to grow and that's just that's just never the case it goes like this you values can't go up forever because people can't afford for values to go up forever it just it's never happened in the history of of any kind of asset class there's there's an up and a down so um the biggest mistake people make is thinking that it will always be an up or always a down it's just Mm. it doesn't work that way so anyway, I, I would study very carefully any fund that I'm investing in, anybody else's project. And like I said, making sure that there's somebody with an incredible track record, never invest in somebody's project where they're just doing it for the first time. You don't oh, want to be their guinea yeah. pig. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. that. That's a lot of value. And, you know, um, uh, I appreciate that you mentioned a little bit about uh, the, the forward thinking, um, you know, how a lot of areas are pretty overvalued. You know, me... Um, being somewhat younger, I, I hope, you know, not hopefully, but I guess I anticipate to see a couple downturns and I would mm-hmm. like to be in a position to, um, to help capitalize on that. Would, would there be? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the best, the best way you're going to do that is 
because you're young and you probably don't have a bucket of money sitting next to you, mm -hmm. unless you do. Now, we're seeing a lot of young people who do because they're inheriting lots of money. The baby boomer generation was one of the wealthiest in history. And hmm. as you know, people move on, uh, young people are inheriting and do have buckets of money and hopefully don't blow it. You know, but if you're one of those people that doesn't have that, um, one of the best things you can do is, is get your experience, you know, go work for somebody who's doing what you want to do. If you want to be in apartments, go work for somebody who owns apartments or, or work for a property manager to understand that side. If you want to be a commercial, you know, developer, work for a developer and learn, learn, learn. That's how Ken McElroy did it. He has 10,000 apartment doors. Uh, he started as a property manager for five years of apartments. That's how he learned it. And when you become an expert at anything, people will give you money. You know, you should, people will give you money no matter what. Like there's a lot of people who don't do their due diligence and, and are investing in projects that they shouldn't. But, um, but if you really want to be successful and you get the experience and you bring someone on your team as a partner who's got even more experience than you and you find a good deal, people will invest in that. So, you know, you, the, one of the best, things you can do like what you're doing you already own four properties i mean do you think people are coming to you for advice if if you found a really awesome 11th property like once you've maxed out your the loans that you can get and you found an 11th one and you wanted money for that i mean do you think it possible for you to go to someone and say hey would you be invest interested in being the investor on this you know acting like the bank making making five percent you know somebody who's conservative five percent is a lot of money if it's secured to property. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you have experience and knowledge, there's people who will do that. They wouldn't do it on your first property, maybe, unless it was your dad, uh, someone <laughs> who loves you and will like, take that loss. But, but, you know, on your 11th, if you go to someone and say, hey, how much are you making in your, in your IRA? And they're like, uh, I don't know, 2%. Huh, well, would you like to make 5% secured to real estate at a 80% LTV in a growing market? I mean, you know, of course. So, the more you learn, the easier it is to get investors. Yeah, well, thank, thank you for that. That's been a ton of value for me and my listeners. I, I really appreciate it. You know, um, you know, saying that, I just want to say again, you know, thank you for your mission, you know, just helping people educate. I know that's, that's really one of the big things you do is just educating people. And, you know, it seems like as a society, we're moving more towards, you know, physical and mental well-being. You know, there's there's yoga, working out. It seems like everybody is carrying around a water bottle. Everybody wants to be healthy. Um, I just want to say thank you for being one of those proponents to help people get financially healthy. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Hopefully passion. it becomes a trend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, on that note, thank you. Thank you again for, you know, all this valuable information and for your valuable time. Um, and to all my listeners, remember, never stop going. <laughs>